When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This year, Leaving Certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast. The, the podcast has found it all rather surreal, seeing it all again. It's a bit emotional, isn't it? It was very, yes, it was. And like, did you see the speech just, before the Chiefs game when they were talking about, you know, thanks to all of you for, you know, staying in your houses and we've got yeah. our emergency responders here, we've got the fire and the, the ambulances and these people who worked <laughs> was, in fucking hyper-value. It's... Yeah, it was all a bit like I don't want to say it was a bit much in the sense that it was bad, but it was just for at eight o'clock on the morning in the morning on a Saturday, it was a lot emotional wise. I don't, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I found myself quite moved. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say yeah. so. How much? But how yeah. much did you enjoy watching live rugby on a scale of ten to ten? Uh, yeah, but if if people can in post-match player ratings give Bryn Gatland eleven out of ten, just. To... <laughs> doing that one thing then i can absolutely give just having rugby back a happy 12 out of 10 well, I mean, france beat just... england in the six nations this year i was i had to do the player ratings for the guardian mm. and i gave antoine dupont 10 out of 10 despite the fact yeah. that he'd done that kick charge down at the end or whatever it is he did he'd made that balls up on you i can't remember what it was now he'd done yeah. something and i said 10 out of 10 because it was a fucking master class even in spite <laughs> yeah. of that and I'd, and I'd finished, I'd sent it in, I logged off, fucked off. I logged in the week after just to check. And the the subby had written, the editor read back to me, going, he's sure 10 out of 10, even with that cock up. Didn't even respond. And he still published it. <laughs> I was amazed. I thought the editor would have gone, oh, he's not giving him 10, I'm changing that. 
No, they still published it. Maybe, maybe he was just like, he feels so strongly about it, he's, he's not, not even, even going to dignify with a reply. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. I'm the writer, pal. I've so, You've had my work. That's the end of it. Um, so, of course, I was like, no, yeah, as if. I was like, after I was like, oh, shit, I've just seen this. I'm really sorry. But then I'd still stand by the score, though, obviously. <laughs> See, I would have had no compunction at all about just changing that. Well, that's what I thought what he'd do. I thought that's what editors did. I assume the ones I had over, I expect 50% of it to change. So So what did you ask? Did you you manage to, because you had to get up early to watch rugby, did you do anything else over the weekend? Anything exciting? I just sort of basked in the glow of it, really. Just what a better way to start your day than being able to watch live rugby. I'll level with you. I didn't get up to watch the Blues game live. No, I didn't do that either. No. No. He can record it, it's fine. What else? You <laughs> like it's not like it's going to clash with other sport during the day, is it? <laughs> Isn't it? But yeah, so yeah, I just had a nice relaxed weekend. I enjoyed, I, I did very, what did I, oh yeah, I went to my, uh, my the only decent local pizza place uh, in in sensible distance of me, um, reopened for takeaway orders on Saturday night. And so I got, delicious wood-fired pizza for the first time since March. And, uh, I mean, it, it was just a great Saturday all round. It's very honest. upsetting because as I, I messaged you on Instagram because you put, obviously you put a, an indulgent photo of said pizza, that which looked it. absolutely blinding. It's, I can't get good pizza delivered to my house. Not even Domino's delivers to my house because it's just too far away. Although they have got planning permission to build one. So when that's actually, because I saw the plans, when that's coming, I don't know. So the only pizza I have access to is... Uh, Turkish takeaway pizza. There's a, there's something to be said for that, and I've got a bit. There of is some something to be said for it. Yeah. This is that thing. It's not very good. I've got two <laughs> words to say about that. Shite. <laughs> or what's the other one? Shite. Yeah, but it's. But yeah, I do think generally they all go to the same pizza school. I can't speak it's for Turkish takeaways everywhere. But the Turkish takeaways here, they all go to the same pizza school and it's inevitably a school that the 101 on pizza is the bread is too thick and there's entirely too much cheese. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to when I lived in Coventry and when there was a, a very similar establishment just down the road from our house, which we frequented all the time. And I sort of have a weird, like, rose-tinted view of it. But on reflection... It was just because I was living on literally about 20 quid a week. And so the rare indulgence of a takeaway pizza was so good that I think it just kind of overrode sense. Although you cannot, you can't, for an absolute signal lesson in total takeaway filth, you go a long way to beat the pizza donna, don't you? (laughs) I mean, that is dirty. Now, you see. Effective. When I was in Cardiff, they had a pizza. Well, I've experienced pizza donors in different locations. When I was in Middlesbrough, the pizza donor was a glorious thing because they made a pizza, like a margarita pizza, then piled donor meat on it once cooked with salad. So it was like a big kebab, but wrapped in a pizza. Yeah, literally in a pizza. Which is amazing. And then I went to Cardiff and I thought, and I was drunk, I thought I'm going to have a pizza donor now. And but what they did is they used the donut meat like like a like you might use a pepperoni, and they put mm. it on pre cooking, so it came out with this like slightly overcooked sort of elastic band of loosely based lamb product <laughs> see, on it. See, that's my my experience of the pizza donor is that 
Yeah, so I can see why well, your face went the way it did when I mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's basically just like, how about something that's like pepperoni but much worse? Let's <laughs> <laughs> put that on there. No, but when they do it like that, like it's like they pile it on with with chili sauce and everything. Like, well, like I said, like it's a, a kebab, a but wrapped in a full 12 inch margarita. <laughs> they've, replaced pizza. The pit, they've replaced the pizza with a 12 inch margarita piece, <laughs> which, I mean, you've got to give it to them. That so, is. anybody who runs a takeaway, or if you go to takeaways, let the word go forth to me and make that request of your local takeaway. I want a pizza donor, however, pal, listen. Yeah. Imagine how much detail you have to put in the comments box on Just Eat for that. Right, listen, right, <laughs> I've ordered a pizza donor, right, but what I want you to do is. See, I, I, I mean, I, I kind of just want to go back to Cardiff and go into TNA stores now, or TNA takeaway, I should say, in uh, in Cates, and just see if they'll do it. We well, see, because I lived Cause... in Grange Town, I was the other yeah. side. Yeah, see, TNA's crack chips, the finest chips <laughs> that 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 aren't very good that you'll ever have. Uh, so yeah, rugby this weekend was very nice. On top of all that, I also did a bit. It of, was lovely. I did a bit of DIY. I discovered oh, this week. I discovered this week the joy of painting in gloves, mm. and I don't mean wall painting. That's not too bad. I was painting shelves in my garage to then put mm. up in my utility room because this is who I am now, and I've, yeah, and I've yeah. just accepted it. Big stuff. But having to move wet shelves around and stand them up and paint different sides of it without gloves on, and it was gloss. So without the Oof. gloves, I mean, you're talking about you literally have to melt the top layer of skin off with thinners, don't you? <laughs> if it's a... yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking thinners and sugar. <laughs> thinners and sugar. Abrace, abrace and your hands yeah. are fucking glowing like <laughs> like uranium for the rest of the day. Sort of do you thing. see, yeah. Do you see print that photo of Prince Charles's hands? What's That's that? what you're Yeah, I oh, did God. see that. He's obviously got arthritis, hasn't he? But a very specific I mean, yeah. version of Richmond sausages arthritis. Some remarkable sausage fingers. But that sort of very pinky colour would basically be your entire hands. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then heat coming off them. <laughs> the other thing I did this weekend, because anyway, I've yes, never watched it before, blood. just very quickly, <laughs> is I watched uh, Life in 12 Bars, the Eric Clapton documentary. It's on iPlayer at the minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never watched it before, full two hours of it. Never. I mean, obviously, I know who Clapton is. I know of his music. Mm-hmm. It comes across as a bit, a bit of a kind of rich gammon. However, yeah, I mean, doesn't I mean doesn't help it with the rivers of blood shit, does he? Yeah, but, but you, yeah. So you I got the full context of that in the thing. He was basically off his head on fucking. Oh, he was booms absolutely it, in a well of complete self hatred, basically. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't realize. Well, he's, I mean, it's worth watching. Is what I'm saying. The music is it obviously is genuinely very. Yeah, and and he, I didn't realize. Let's let's not be about the bush. What a despicable human being his mother was. His real yeah. mother, not the mother who actually brought yeah. him up. His 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 whole thing is uh, weirdly. I watched the I watched that this weekend as well because I think it was on telly and I just saw it. And I watched the uh, David Bowie Five Years documentary, the BBC one, which is very good. Is that the last five years one or the first five years one? The first five years right, one. Yeah, I, yeah. I taped the last five years one about the bit before his death. Yeah. No. The 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 the. Because uh, I like five... a laugh, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's. Musicians, man, they're fucking interesting people. They remain interesting to me, even Apart now. Apart from the Mannix. Watch that documentary. All of them boring. Come and deal with it. <laughs> Dull people. That's very, that's not very compelling. But that's because they're all just... They're like us. 
That's that's the, that's the brilliance. That's the brilliance of the Manic Street Preachers is that they're all just like us, just a bit weirder in some ways. Well, Nicky Wire's a little bit weirder. I don't think James is any weirder than any of us. Anyway, yes. if you want to get, I'm Lee. Didn't even bother doing that bit this week. No. I'm Lee, and over there is. I'm Josh. You can get in touch with us if you want. You have to figure it out yourselves. Can't bother anymore. Um, we're right, on Acast. Yeah. We're on we're on Apple Podcasts, and also on Patreon.com, Josh. Yes, where we people are. People offer a little bit of support, and people have been very generous these past few weeks. I'd like to thank all of them. Oh, fabulous. Um, for for such generosity, and we've had four people. You can pay your two dollars and and support us and get all the extra content. Which I mean, let's be honest, it's that's worth that alone, isn't it? Absolutely. But if you're on the even twice the price. But if but you yeah. want to be mentioned on here and have us tell you what kind of rugby player your name sounds like, oh yes, then you have to sign up for the five dollar VIP lounge where you get a bonquette, a bottle of hooch, and a bit of a jibing about your name with a rugby player. So this yeah. week. Well, some of them are this week, but one, one, the first guy, he actually joined the VIP, snuck in a few weeks ago, and I missed it. So I do apologise to, to Jack Hurst, who is our first VIP lad this week. Hey, Jack. And I think that Jack Hurst sounds like a hooker that went on one England tour in the lead-up to the 1999 Rugby World Cup, was never seen of again until he was let go by his club in 2002 amid rumours of cocaine use. Oh, see, I had Jack Hurst as... A sort of person who's played 200 games for England sevens, but has only ever played four <laughs> games of top flight 15 in his career, four Newcastle Falcons, and scored zero tries. That is that's that's that is actually bang on, yeah, absolutely irrelevant in the 15. Absolutely bang on, yeah. Most appearances for his country, but nobody's ever heard of him. <laughs> Second in the VIP, so hijack, yeah, in the VIP this week is Owen Curtis. I'll let you go first on that one. What do you think uh, Owen Curtis sounds I like? Had, I had Owen as sort of an undersized inside centre, but he runs mean, you know? He's small, but he's... Runs his and weight he, and then some. And then some, yeah. It's like he, but he gets through tackles that he shouldn't get through. And he's got deceptively silky hands, but ultimately he's too undersized to really make that step up to the next level. I think Owen Curtis, Owen Curtis sounds like a full-back who played for Caffilly 1994 to 1996. Turned mm-hmm. down a pro contract because he wanted to qualify as an occupational therapist. Yeah, I can believe that. And I'm just thoroughly happy with his choice. On thoroughly happy with his choice. He's got a few yeah, tales yeah. to tell down the pub. But yeah. now he's on the middle management team at the NHS. So he's all right. Loves it. Third into the VIP, and thank you very much this week, is Daniel Locke. Mm. And I think Daniel Locke sounds like an Australian bat rower. Similar sort of player to Rocky Elson, but with a, actually with a normal-sized head. See, I, I just thought Daniel Locke, and I'll, I'll read you exactly what I've written here. He's an Aussie back rower, <laughs> over the ball, but lacks the ballast to really show up at test level. Dad, see what, eh? Me and Daniel, you. Daniel, that, that, that is what you are, mate. Because these are, have been done independently, like... Daniel. Yeah. So if elect well, you are basically Australian now. So you just have yeah, to live with it Australian if you're not already. Obviously, you're going to have to accept it. Yeah. Now then, you're first on this one. So the final one of the VIP this week is Owen. Another Owen. Owen Clear Thomas. Go. Yes. Uh, and I imagined Owen as a, a tight head prop who's too big, if anything, 
Um, he never wants to hear the phrase, they grow them big down your way, don't they, ever again in his life. Um, and he's only ever capable of having one haircut, which is a number two all over. Fantastic. I've got O.A. Clear. I've different I've got O.A. Clear Thomas was a centre three-quarter who played for Wales in the glorious first decade of the 20th century, killed at the Ooh. first Battle of Ypres. That's ending it on a nice high But you know, that's what he sounds like to me. I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. not go where it's going. So, <laughs> so welcome along. Thank you, everybody. Should you, you wish all. to one get extra content, like the wonderful episode on the US rugby history that we did last week with Tony Collins, which was a thoroughly enjoyable hour and a bit. Uh, yes, it really was. And also this week, I'm doing another rugby life interview with Ben Jeffries. Who's chief, a very interesting man. The chief exec of yeah. Pontypool. So that's coming up this week as well. Plus there's loads of other stuff you listen to on there. $2 for, just to get the extra stuff, $5 if you fancy having, you fancy us telling you you've been killed in a First World War battle. Who doesn't want that to happen? Indeed. Player spotted, everybody. We begin, as we always begin, too late with a player spotted. And we ask you to send in mundane spottings. This week, it's friend of the pod, Adam Reese, who's dropped hey. as a DM. He says, I've got a double hashtag player spotted. Hello. While taking my daily government-sanctioned exercise, i.e. a walk, around Cardiff, I spotted Josh Navidi waiting for a coffee outside the Coffee Co. shipping container with his dreadlocks and dressed with his... Tell you what, Cardiff Cardiff changed since I lived there, I'll tell you what. Coffee Co. shipping container. Did you you read the thread? (laughs) Multitudes. Did you read the thread by the guy who talked about the development of Cardiff Bay and his pitch on how it was institutionally racist. Big star, yeah. I mean, it was weird because when I was in Cardiff doing my journalism postgrad, we had to do a thing like that was basically a module on Butte Town stories, which basically involved a bunch of white journalism students going wandering around Butte Town <laughs> and just randomly asking people stuff. And even there, even not being in any way aware of it, you could just go, oh, this feels weird because they've literally walled this place off. But yeah, horrendous. I used to walk through Butte Town on my way home to Grangetown when I couldn't get a taxi on a Saturday, which was every fucking week in Cardiff. <laughs> um, so uh, I used to walk back through Butte Town. But um, yeah, but the interesting thing was about Cardiff Bay, they actually was toying with the idea of calling it Tiger Bay. That mm. was actually part of the discussion, apparently. And the minutes say it was rejected because the term Tiger Bay is a, was long associated with exoticism and misogyny. That that blew my fucking mind that that was put on the minutes of something. It was actually written in down. Eighties, yeah, unbelievable. Like, no, it was... Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, so anyway, Adam sees Josh Davidi outside the coffee co shipping container. He said, with his dreadlocks and dressed in a classic orange Adidas T-shirt, Adidas shorts, socks and trainers, he could have been a D-list new metal band, Il Nino. Oh, I know who he's talking about there. Yeah. He, uh, is that the bloke yeah. from, is that the bloke from, oh, what are they called? Corn? No. He wears Il Adidas tracksuits. Yeah, he does. Il Nino were um, sort of, I, I can't, they were sort of. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't even call them second division heavy, like sort of <laughs> 90s new metal. <laughs> Definitely sort of third division. Was it in the fourth tier but, tent at the at download? Yeah, big, basically. Big style. Not getting anywhere near the main stage, but there was a lot of dreadlocks in that band, if memory serves, Oof. and a lot of chin beards. But then it was new metal. There was a lot of that going around. 
at that time generally. Yeah, chin beards, dreadlocks. He says, Adam goes on, by far more amazing was seeing our Lord and Saviour, Aled Brew. Hello. On the same walk, on the steps outside. Oh, you have my attention. On the steps outside of the Senev. No doubt waiting to do with the next great shock move of his life, it would sound. Maybe he's about <laughs> to become an assembly member. Um, I mean, let's be honest, Mark Trigg, you know, Drakeford can pack his bags the second that Brew gets on the scene. Just make him first minister. Let's go for it. He says, though, dress, Adam says that Aled, though dressed like he was out for exercise, he was enjoying a case of Brew Dog beers. <clears throat> Fair play. Sat on the steps of the Senna drinking cans. This is what happens when you. It's, get it's not taking him long, that. has it? I know. Straight, <laughs> straight on the cans. Straight on the brew dog as well. That's that's fighting strength stuff. He said he was with a man I can only assume as his agent, finalising his contract with the Toshiba Brave Lupus. <laughs> he might not be his agent, but it sounds of like things. He might have been some intervention worker asking him how long he's been <laughs> on the street for. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a council worker telling him that he yeah, really wasn't allowed to do that. Yeah, services, mate. Yeah, I know, I know, it's not easy engaging <laughs> with services, but you know, I know everyone's been stung before. But honestly, we've got this new thing going now. Anyway, there you go. So that's the play spotted. Thank you very much, Adam. If you've got a play spotted, you can DM it to me at Blood and Mud, or you can lee at bloodandmud.com and it'll come through and we'll we'll rack it up and we'll read it out and all that kind of stuff. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Mm. News, Josh. News, 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 news. Yes. Uh, my favourite bit of news this week is apparently Northampton Saints are looking to find somebody to come in and do a fly-on-the-wall documentary type Sunderland Till I Die thing. Brilliant. With them next season. That which, always shows a honestly, very positive uh, reflection of the, of the, of the club. <laughs> exactly. So. I, I cannot wait to watch exactly how uh, mega Tory Courtney Laws reacts when he discovers that the only thing between him and a 25% pay cut is lefty pinko industrial action, uh, led by the Che Guevara <laughs> of Noel himself, Mr. Alice Genge. I mean, the cognitive distance there is going to be great to watch. Well... In, well, we might as well link into the next bit of news, which is linked to that, which is obviously the fucking world. It's power to the people, one out, all out, all over right. the fucking place. Hey, the minute, even the RPA are fucking seeing their ass and are chancing on giving up <laughs> some stuff. So the RPA are not happy with the PRL. Are you with me still, everyone? Yep. Because yep. they've said about this 25% pay cut and the, uh, the RPA have said, no, sorry. And yeah, and, and, and so... You can basically just sort of copy and paste that throughout all of world rugby as <laughs> as the bosses have basically gone, right, lads, 25% pay cuts, is it yet? And they've gone, hang on. <laughs> hey, and how's about this for some fucking paternalistic fucking shit? 
In a statement released to the Times, the clubs have criticised the RPA, accusing it of not giving their members appropriate advice. Honestly. <laughs> and the thing, the thing is... And Listen I, to I, your betters and let me tell you how you should be speaking to your members. <laughs> the thing is, and because if you sort of followed American sport for any length of time, you get quite used to seeing how labor negotiations and stuff because they've all got very strong union player unions over there you get used to seeing how these things play out in the media because you know there's a lockout or a player strike you know but in one of the major sports probably every three or four or five years major league baseball are currently on the verge of not playing their season at all because the owners want the players to basically settle for much less money than they would have got for a regular season because it'll be shortened but even though there's no... Yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, and you sort of get used to seeing, A, how these things play out in public and how briefing and all of this sort of dirty shit goes on. But also, you get pretty quickly used to seeing how many fans will are paid-up members of the owner arse-licking society <laughs> and will be on the side of management until the bitter end in the face of... Do you think it's a all... kind of jealousy thing? that Because if I was there, I'd literally do it if they just threw me a dry cracker once every three weeks. You know, well, actually the it's truth is, of course you fucking yeah. wouldn't. Don't be stupid. It's a, sh- <laughs> it's a shut up and play thing, isn't it? Mm. You know, but imagine how much worse that'll be in rugby union in England. <laughs> <laughs> With great respect to all English rugby fans listening to this, you guys know, come on. It's, there's not going to be a lot of support from some clubs fan bases for industrial action and standing up to the business owners i would wager no not, not traditionally no you wouldn't have thought so and i suppose you... it's even worse now because i think the owners well owners and business people are never gonna turn up a chance to cut a bit of money are they let's be realistic no. and i don't blame them for doing that you know, no, especially because that's what they're trying to do. Moment, they're trying yeah. to, especially in this moment, make money. But, and that's you know, that's the way the world goes around. That's fine, but don't, but don't kick off with the union say I'm not happy and I'm not having it and I'm going to fight yeah, my bit of it as hard as I fucking can. Thanks very much. Because that's what unions are for, is to fight for the rights of their members. And you know, I don't think that anybody's kind of like, oh well, we we still want all of our money no matter what. But I think that. You know, and it's the same with what's going on with the uh, Irish Rugby Players Association complaining about the fact that the IRFU is basically briefing the press before they've had any kind of discussions about similar kind of across the board pay cuts. And, you know, they're all basically saying, this, you know, the RPA, the IRPA, they're all singing from the same hymn sheet, which is, you know, they're already briefing against us before we've even had a chance to get around the fucking negotiating table. And that doesn't, that sort of shit is not good for good faith negotiations about anything, let alone players taking a 25% pay cut. Yeah, and it's, I always find it weird attitudes to unions in that um, when people go shopping in Tesco, right, mm. they're quite happy to take the prices on the shelves, aren't they? Yeah. Because Tesco go to suppliers and say, listen, pal, this is what I'm fucking paying you. And they say, well, that's yeah. not very good. They go, yeah, but you see, I'm operating on behalf of my customers and they want mm. what's be- I want what's best for them. They want what's best for them. 
So therefore, so nobody ever says Tesco, you set of bastards are representing the people that you have an interest in. But then unions say, well, actually, no, I'm not accepting that. I want more money. Ah, you're holding yeah. us, you're holding people to ransom. No, they're doing exactly what Tesco did. It's just that it doesn't benefit you directly. Therefore, you're got you, you're getting pissy about it now. And I think, and I think that's the reality of why a lot of people end up not on the sides of player unions in particular, because all these people want is for their sport to go on unimpeded and not have to think about things. And when, you know, when players start talking about strikes. Some fans get very arsy at the p- the potential of, of the sport that they enjoy watching and the escapism that they have. Either a being intruded by politics or, you know, labour rights or anything from real life, or just not being there. You know, and that's it makes it very. It's just it would be in the best interest of everybody in rugby right now to stop briefing through the papers and just get around a fucking table and sort it out like adults. Yes. But, I mean... <laughs> I don't agree with you. Oh, oh, you'll take the fucking pay rise, though, won't you, pal? Yeah. <laughs> As I used to say when I was a full-time union rep, I don't agree with you. Oh, but you'll take the 4% we've negotiated this year, won't you? <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, I mean, that whole thing is going to be interesting. Uh, and it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, it's interesting that we haven't heard anything from the Welsh Rugby Players Association yet, but that's just because I think the, the regions are just wondering how they're going to make it to next week. They're not even worrying about trying to get into complicated labour negotiations. We would have written to you about this sooner, but we couldn't afford any paper. We're very, yeah. very sorry. Um... Clarity copiers have cancelled out. <laughs> yes, and we indeed. Are yes. I will just <laughs> say this last quote from the, the RPA is a blinder. Our players... Our players board met on the 26th of May to receive a formal proposal from the PRL regarding the future of the game. In reality, the proposal was singularly for immediate and permanent pay cuts. Our board voted unanimously against that proposal and to suggest that there's been any other agreement in relation to permanent pay cuts is a complete fabrication. I mean, it's that's not... A, I mean, the, the, quite... they are at opposite ends of the room on this one, aren't they? Let's be honest. I mean, it's it speaks to if you know if there's truth in that, which you know, who knows? Yeah, everybody's you know, yeah, everyone's everybody's, presenting everybody's, their own case, aren't they? Yeah. But if, if the truth is that you know they expect the union expected to be negotiating with Premier Rugby and the PRL just turned around and went twenty five percent off the board, lads, take it or leave it, fuck or fuck off. I mean, I can understand why that creates a certain degree of. Yes. Hostility, shall we say? <laughs> but you just—you uh, keep using silly. this word negotiation. That I do not think it, mean, it does <laughs> not mean what you think it means. Think it means yes. <laughs> um, right? Okay. Uh, yes. So that's that. Um, in in other player related and money news, um, Sergio mm. Parise has signed a deal in Salon for a, what looks like about five games for about nine million quid or something. I mean, he's just desperate to actually, like... I mean, you've got a feel for Sergio, haven't you? Like, twice that guy has tried to have his triumphant send-off from the Italian national side. He wanted to do it in the World Cup, and his game got cancelled. Then he wanted to do it at the end of the Six Nations, and then his games got cancelled. And so he's just basically... He's taking whatever mugs he can get to give him money so that he can keep... 
vaguely playing rugby occasionally long enough to just get back into an Italy shirt one more fucking time, stagger onto the field, wave. <laughs> attempt, wave from attempt his position at playing 10 in his final <laughs> <Yeah>. game. <laughs> and then walk off, you know, and, that, and then he'll be done. And I kind of, I've got the, you know... 37 years. Good. 37 years. I mean, he's probably in fucking rare shape because he always has been, hasn't I mean, he? he's in better shape than me, but like... <laughs> <laughs> even with your new exercise bike purchase. Indeed. And even with the two years I've got on him, you know, it's he's we've we've not been kind about him over the last couple of years because he's increasingly become profoundly annoying as a player. <laughs> However, Which is the worst thing anybody can be, let's be honest. Absolutely. However, I'm really at the point now where I'm just like Sergio really does deserve this send off. He does. Let's just give it to him. Whether it's I don't care what it is. But I want Sergio to have a proper send-off because he is one of the best players of his era. And he's tried it twice now and it hasn't worked. Somebody on uh, Twitter said he probably he's probably fucking fuck it, I'll do it myself negotiated that deal. No agent. Sergio don't need no agent. <laughs> he just comes in. Do you want to sign this contract, Sergio? No, I do not sign contracts. What do you do? I <laughs> I kick a authoritative drop goal out of the office window and then that's what seals the deal. That doesn't really work, Sergio. I am already leaving the room. I will see you next week. 25% pay rise. There we go. Bang. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, so there you go. So what uh, else have we got? The global season meeting's happening. As we speak, yes. isn't it? This week. <laughs> and and ru- rumours abound that England and France are torpedoing it as we speak. So, <laughs> yes. I mean, the more things change, the more things We've sat in same. here and come up with a fantastic plan, England and France. Would you like to come <laughs> in and join us? Yeah, all right then. <laughs> England and France joined a meeting at this point. They simply said no and then walked back out again and went back to the bar. Uh, yeah, so let's hope that, that something positive gets resolved from that that everybody can agree with because, I mean, fucking hell. If it's not going to do now, then I don't think it ever will. Let's not be around the No, book. if not now, then when, isn't it? I suppose that yeah. is true because they'll never be. As we talked about in our massive, ridiculous West Wing episode last week. <laughs> was it last week? Yeah. Um, about how ridiculous it was. It was both last week be. and the week before. That's why. Yes, it was. That's why I'm getting confused. Yeah, we had two goes in it. Yeah. Um, Speaking of new things, last mm. bit of news before we talk about the weekend because it's it's relevant is these new rook laws. Well, no, not laws, but guidelines to enforce the law. I've been hearing a lot about them, and I thought I, I need to kind of brush up on this. So, forgive me, listeners, you may have read about this a long time ago. I did mm. it the weekend, so I thought it's just worth before we move forward to talk about the games. It's probably yes, worth covering what these gonna, new rock guidelines gonna, are. It is. <laughs> It is going to feature. It is going to feature. So basically, as quickly as I can put it, the key focus is that tacklers will be expected to release the ball carrier and roll away immediately in the direction of the touchline. So basically, east to west movement as soon as possible. And don't be trying to roll back into the scrum half and don't be trying to just get out of the way, left or right. Ball carriers will be allowed one dynamic movement after being tackled with an onus on presenting the ball and releasing it more quickly. So the only movement you'll be allowed is to very deliberately show your place in the ball, not mm. driving forward on the floor or shuffling around and rolling around a bit. That's not allowed. Ball carriers... Oh, I've done that one. Stand-up tackle... Ball carrier will be given time to get to ground and a tackle will be called and the ball carrier clearly gets a knee to the ground. More side entry and collapse will be strictly refereed. 
and there was a fucking magnificent side entry to the Rook. Right? Was it? Was it? it really was. Parry Parry Parkinson that did it, and it was like. They were like, they're being very hot on this. He was like, no, that is the most <laughs> illegal entry. That's been illegal since 1895, what it just did. Literally, you need a set square to work out <laughs> how in so... at the side that is. Um, yeah, so first, from a jackal point of view, the first player arriving must enter legally, all right, be on their feet and on the ball with an attempt to lift it. They will be rewarded more quickly for this. That'll be interesting to see how that, how that works and what that means for for sevens, I think. Well, I think we'll talk about that in a bit. Probably will, yeah. yeah. Um, other arriving players, side entry will be refereed, okay. Um, L angle entry expectation with players required to drive, not dive. Mm. So stay on your feet, basically. Again, it's nothing new. It's just, I suppose, they're reiterating what's expected. And foul play will continue to be a priority in the interest of player safety. Well, that's nice, isn't it? It's nice to really yeah. reiterate they don't want people to be unsafe. So, yeah. So there you go. So that's that's it, the shortest way I can put it is is what it's all about. Get out the fucking way. Yes. Don't dive on the floor, and and jackals yeah. will be rewarded. All sounds very sensible. Yeah. And are we into the weekend now. Are you about to start? Yeah, are you about are. to go yeah. on then? Let's talk about the clearly. Two games, the players weren't the only ones struggling with the new breakdown interpretations over the weekend. Because I mean, in fairness to them, right. Aaron Smith and Brad Weber both said after the Chiefs Highlanders game that the high penalty count in the second half was their fault. Basically, <laughs> and they they need to adjust. To the we new are rules. too thick to change. <laughs> it will take a while. However, I mean, there were forty breakdown penalties across the two games, which I mean, it's a lot. It's not you know what was I don't, really I have a massive problem with that to be honest. But go on. No. But what was alarming was the massive discrepancy between those two games of which yes, side. Yes, that, that's the interesting thing, it. isn't it? Yeah, so Blues-Canes game, pen count was 13-8 in favour of the attacking team. Uh, and it all worked out relatively well, to be honest. That was a cracking game, like very entertaining to watch. Nice tries. Didn't particularly notice anything over-the-top refereeing-wise. Second half of the Highlanders Chiefs game, <laughs> I mean, and in the game as well, Paul Williams blew up sixteen to three in favour of the defending team, um, uh, which, I mean, it was hard to watch. Let's be honest, because it was just Jackal Palooza, which, <laughs> like, when the every time the attacking team of either side got a bit of momentum, it was just like penalty to the defence, and I get it. There's going to be teething problems with this stuff and you need rock interpretations. And I like the idea that players have to roll away to the side, you know. And I, that is very sensible, yeah. But, and it is. And it makes all the sense. Well, what I don't understand is this, you know, why are we giving... They basically think... I think the, the thinking is that jacklers will... I think the thinking behind the law was if you give jacklers more of a chance to get the ball... It'll come out more quickly. Then, then the ball will a come out more quickly, and b it will create more t- turnovers, which will create more broken play. Mm-hmm. What happened on Saturday morning was that players realised that the last thing they want to do is get turned over and be attacked with broken play, especially if you're on the attack and you're in the opposition twenty-two. It's better just to concede a penalty, to be honest. In the same way that <laughs> just keep hold of it. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that NRL teams before the new uh 
resetting of the set of six thing mm. would happily concede a penalty at a play the ball rather than have the opposition attack broken play because it was much more dangerous to concede yes. a, a little bit of territory and have an organized defense than concede no territory but have you know the opposition attacking a defense of sixes and sevens they, you know it's just one game obviously but the new laws that were designed to speed up the game and <laughs> make for a better attacking spectacle put a fucking handbrake on it the second half of that Chiefs game and like, I know it's only one game it's one ref's interpretation yeah. like, I thought he did alright actually he did alright in the first I think half he ref, I, think, I think he refed what was in front of him it's the unintended yeah. consequences of the law thing I think you, yeah. you can't blame him I think it's just no, actually I'm supposed to favour Jacqueline and yeah. you won't let go so of it so it's a penalty yeah well, I do think that's like if you're going to tweak that sort of thing you've got a Rugby's got a reward play that creates interesting and exciting attacking play. And so you've got to give a little bit... Because it was interesting, I thought, that Damian McKenzie had two fucking breakdown penalties and Caleb Clark had a couple as well. And it's like, that to me says, players are making half breaks, clean breaks, they're getting into space, and then the outside backs are winning penalties and turning them over. And that's like, that's kind of not what... I want the, the game of rugby to be. I don't want a player to make a clean break and then because the support is momentarily not fast enough in getting there to smash the jackler off the ball, instantly all the attacking momentum's gone the other way. I don't, I don't know. Like, like I said, it was one game. But like, can you imagine how somebody like Sam Warburton or James Davis or George Smith would be under these new interpretations? Imagine the field day. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even have to that. train they just walk on and lead <laughs> over things I think it was Ben Coles that was like Heinrich Brousseau is announcing his unretirement immediately <laughs> yeah. after watching that game it's like yeah um, yeah it's like you know it was always going to be fraught with issues and but I've seen a lot of people say oh it's great that they're enforcing these new rules and it's like it's great to a point but we do need to remember that rugby is not just a game of rules it is a game that's supposed to be entertaining as well and I think they maybe need to watch that that isn't... It isn't the ball the, was coming the, out quickly, though, wasn't it? It was coming out. That's the thing. When, the, when, when they weren't blowing for really... a penalty, and it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was the, coming the out quicker. It worked really well. I mean, I it is super rugby, so it, it does come out a bit quicker anyway, but... Mm -hmm. I do think they need to sort of look at it and keep an eye and make sure that it isn't just superpowering the opposition jackal now, mm. which is a problem that rugby had sort of, you know, six or seven years ago when it was too easy to jackal. And so yeah. they push it the other way and now it's too, then it was too hard to jackal. It's like, can we not find somewhere in between where jackling is sometimes impactful but doesn't totally suck all momentum out of a rugby game? That would be lovely. I fucking love this Highlanders Chief game, by the way. Uh, the first half of it, I loved in particular. Oh, me too. It's fantastic. Like, look, before all of that, can I just say, yeah. rugby's fucking great. Isn't it great? Isn't it? Crowds, man. Oh, great. Everyone on the pints. But honestly... Seeing people fucking stadiums of fans drinking and cheering and hugging, like after the car crash shit that has been 2020 from the outset, it was it was a moment, to say the least. It's great. What I loved about that game, that one in particular, but the robot, but this in particular, it was like every player for the Highlanders and the Chiefs about two weeks ago were going, when I get out of this fucking house, and I get to play again. I'm doing every pass and every kick I've ever wanted to do 
ever in the first 15 minutes of this game. And that's exactly what they did. Big stuff. It was like, fucking yeah. I'd amazing. I've been sitting in my garden working on my reverse pass and goddamn, I'm going <laughs> to fucking try it. That bin I've thrown that pass into. I didn't break it for nothing and we're fucking going for it right now. God, it was amazing. It was so much fun. But I love, I, and I think that the crowd genuinely just responded so positively to that level of exuberance. It's that sports celebration. So, so happy to be on the field yeah. again. We've always seen sport, haven't we, as a galvanising moment, like when your team does well and wins Grand Slams and all that kind of stuff. But there was something, again, to go back to the beginning, to the top there, it's, it's something quite moving about quite how galvanising that was for their society, that this was... Mm. Rugby's such a big deal over there anyway. And this cool. was happening, and it was like this huge literally this enormous gathering like a church to signal the end of like whatever the virus equivalent of 40 days in the desert is do you know what i mean yeah and it's like and you know i can't imagine how it must have feel felt to be a kiwi full stop let alone a kiwi there about the smuggers fuck this is how you do viruses lads (laughs) i'm on the spates what are you lot fucking doing I see you, Bryn Gatland, in your spate cap, looking like some sort of 1980s fucking <laughs> advert. The fact that they stuck him in that spate cap after the end of the game really did feel like... Remember we were looking at those like 1990s commercial rugby obligations that they weren't getting paid for photo shoots, <laughs> yes. like Courage. And Courage bitter, stood there with cans. <laughs> Who buys cans? Mass- massive those vibes. Anyway... Yeah. So the just, reason why I get like, upset with the fucking craft beer revolution, by the way, beer in cans is shit. So how come it's now seven quid for four cans of fucking beer? Anyway, move on. Yes. Um, yeah, I just I thought like for, it felt like as a sports fan, as a, a fan of human beings in general, yes. just the fact that that was going on somewhere in the world just made everything feel a bit better. It like, didn't it just. Like, well, you do actually Some look at it and think, you see, that can happen again. Exactly. That's kind of what, for the rest of us, it was just like, they're doing it now. Like, there will be a time when sport goes back to normal. And it might not be fucking ages for us, God knows. But, like, there will be a time again when everybody's, you know, where 30,000, 40,000 people are in a fucking stadium again. And, yeah, I don't know. It just felt weirdly kind of... Of, it felt like a moment. It did feel like a moment, yeah. And we were, and we all got a chance to watch it, which was good. But yeah, well, and also then Warren Gatland got a chance to watch it, which you can be very happy with because as much as it was all a good laugh, the um, the Chiefs getting driven into touch from ten meters inside the field in the first three minutes was a bit of a kind of ooh. He didn't I mean, look happy, yeah. and then of course his team got mauled over for a try from fifteen meters out at one point. I do think that, uh, you know, I love Warren Gatland a great deal, but like of the four teams that played on the weekend, the Chiefs were the one that that visibly looked the most rusty and off the boil, certainly compared to how good they'd been before the break. You know, they, you know, they, they have had a habit this season of getting behind early doors, but then they've usually turned up in the second half and absolutely blown people away. Whereas, yeah, they just looked, you know, really blunted and really like they weren't all on the same page at all and there's just 
physically they didn't look like they were up for it either. It was just it was a weird it's a weird thing to watch a Warren Gatland team get bullied like that. You he's had to do a lot of um, he's had to hang a lot of chief shirts off coat hangers and hold them up, isn't he? <laughs> and pointed at it. Listen, that's you can't. Maybe that's maybe that's the problem because you know New Zealand has just been brought together with such you know. Unity, it was all joyful and yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful moment, and he can't hold up a Kylander shirt and go, "These cunts," <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because you know it's like, well, nobody's a cunt here. We all love each other. <laughs> yes, not this week, Warren. Not now. I mean, I mean, I mean don't spoil you it. Even, you could even see that with the good-natured shithousing between Dane Coles and Bowden Barrett that was just relentless in the Hurricanes and Blues game on. Sunday, where it was just constant off the ball, fucking shit I mean, what what on earth was that tackle attempt by Bowden Barrett? By the way, what was he doing? <laughs> and it's the fact that they all just like laughed and clapped him on the head when I because when I first yeah. saw it start to happen, I thought they're going to fucking paddle him here, <laughs> and, they were, and they were all celebrating and hugging him. You know, again, there's a bit of like you know wind up, but I thought somebody's going to chin him here because that was a proper like leg snapper. If that had gone, <laughs> and yeah, and and then you know. And then Coles flies out of the line and sticks one on him totally off the ball. Great. And all the time, everyone's smiling. Oh, we've missed this, haven't we, boys? Eh? It's, like, it's, thing. it's like the exuberance of enjoying shithousery again was just, ah, oh, it's lovely to see. It I've really also was. found out this weekend, what I learned this weekend, I've learned where Ricky Flutie is. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look, it's Ricky Flutie. Hasn't aged a day, weirdly. Not a, day, not a single day. I learned where a lot of people who used to be, you know, people who factored in Northern Hemisphere rugby who are from New Zealand are now. It's like, oh, where's our major now? Oh, oh there yeah, he is. He's looking a lot where's... greyer. Gone very grey. Yeah. Yeah. Where's Mark Hammett now? Oh, there he is. <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the Highlanders coaching box. Yeah, it's like, it's a ghost of directors of rugby past was basically looking around the coaches boxes of New Zealand Super Rugby this weekend the um, the yellow card for the tip tackle I still can't absolutely right well, I, <laughs> sure I don't understand where before going through any protocols I don't understand where if you lift someone's legs like that you are off automatically because it all starts to become how do they land and it's like well that that is in a way such a victim of chance and momentum but actually, as soon as you do that action, you're off. Because how do you change the behaviour otherwise? If it's all, well, as long as I drop him three inches below his neck, I won't be sent off. It's it, just absolutely it, bizarre. It's, but especially given that a red card in this crazy thing is now only 20 minutes. And then they can oh, yeah, send somebody else back on. <laughs> like the re- it's not like the ref would have been like condemning them to play the last, you know, the rest of the game. You know, it would have just been a double yellow, effectively. What's the? But I think just generally, you just yeah. The only way you stop them doing that is by just saying, as soon as you do that action and a tackle, you're going <laughs> you're off. Fucking gone, pal. Yeah. Because it's, you can't, you yeah. cannot control all of that weight and momentum and where it's going to land as soon as you lift them up like that. So you just got to yeah, stop doing all. it. Yeah. No, it was it was a very odd moment. Um, I tell you what. Speaking of odd moments, I wish seriously wish they'd opened up the barbers in Auckland before they opened up the rugby ground. <laughs> Fucking hell! Um, the sheer volume of ill-advised lockdown haircuts and dye jobs was really impressive. 
I mean, a special mention actually to Sam Nock of the Blues for what honesty looks like a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you get that haircut on purpose, but he's got it. I was fascinated by by one the angle with which Parry Parry Parkinson entered that uh, that rook. I was also completely and totally transfixed by his headband. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like it looks like latex, and I mean by and it, like he's like but like like he's buffed it up. Yeah, it's it's like you know how the headbands have sort of a you know you, when you used to have taped head yeah thing. You'd have bandage and then, then tape. tape. It's like he's gone full tape. But it wasn't tape. Yeah, it's sort of a weird... It was quite clearly yeah. some kind of weird sort of fetish headband. <laughs> yeah, it had a sort of... kind of it had a BDSM wife... flavour to it. It had, it had a wife clean vibe that I found unsettling. He got it from the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey section of, the, uh, <laughs> of his wife's catalogue. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't like it. Not at all. Um, I'll tell you what else I learned. Um, I learned that the Blues have more good fly halves in their match day squad than <laughs> Australia does full stop. <laughs> <laughs> and only one no of them is playing stand-up. No disrespect to Australia. There are, there are more good fly halves playing in Auckland for the Blues at the moment than there are currently playing for Australia in Super Rugby, especially now Quaid's gone to Japan. Dan Carter and Bowden Barrett, obviously, we all knew how good they were. But Tara Black, fucking hell, he's not bad. Yep. (laughs) This is the the soul crusher that we find, isn't it? Where we always go, well, we're going to struggle to replace something like that. And they've been struggling and Barrett's not quite as solid as he was before. Oh, fucking hell, who's this now? Where have they found him? (laughs) And he's already got, like, in one game, he seemed to have more sort of attacking understanding and link-up stuff with Bowden Barron at 15 than Richie Munger uh, Munger ever has uh, with the All Blacks. As you instantly just go, oh, for fuck's sake. They're just going to shift that into a black jersey instantly then, aren't they? And and then they'll just have Richie Munger to come off the bench. Ah. With his thighs. With his thighs. I've just... uh... (laughs) I've also learned this weekend that my favourite name, I think, in the whole world right now is Ezekiel Lindenmuth. It's a brilliant name. What That's a name. This is a great name. Um, speaking of great names, um, neither of which are good names, Aaron Smith. <laughs> Aaron Smith, not taking too kindly any talk of him handing over his all-black jersey to Brad Webber. Um, because just Smith just went after him constantly. He was such a prick <laughs> in a in a perfectly good way. Like, Weber has been really good for the Chiefs this season and he's really dynamic and he's really exciting. <laughs> just Aaron Smith just walked up to the pitch and was like, All right, I'm just going to ruin your day. Like, every time you get the ball, I am just going to make you, I'm just going to be on you. I'm going to put my hands on you. I'm going to be just constantly going after you after the ball. I'm going to slow things down. I'm just going to make your life a living hell. And it's a big part of why, I think, to be honest, the Chiefs struggled on attack so much. Was <laughs> just Aaron Smith was just making Brad Weber have a very bad day. He wasn't an, an absolute hard. nuisance. Yes, and the uh, yeah. the hey, tell you what, people are like, imagine being stuck in the house with Aaron Smith for twelve weeks. <laughs> imagine what that must be like. 
<laughs> no airports to go to. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's just, he was an A-grade pest. And to be honest, <laughs> you probably demonstrated exactly why he's still New Zealand's number one scrum off, because he does that as well as being Aaron Smith. What else do we like for the uh, weekend? Um, Teddy Wells is still in fine fettle. Dane Coles is still in fine fettle. Isn't he? <laughs> He's had so many injuries over the last few seasons. Like, Do you remember you that game? Like, like, what was that game about three years? No, it wasn't a Lions game. What was the game where he, where he basically smashed his ribs and, and came back on? I can't remember. What it was like his chest was like a bag of smashed crabs, basically. He still played 20 minutes of the entire game. Yeah. And he, but he's had so many of those injuries over the last couple of years. You did just think he's in his thirties now. Is you know, is he ever going to be that dynamic player again? And then he just goes, "I'll just run one in from forty meters, beating an entire Blues backline and Bowden Barrett for pace on the way." Then, yeah, I mean, to be fair, he couldn't throw into a lineup for fucking Toffee in that game. But you know, physically, he's in good nick. Yeah. 73% line-out. Not good. It's not great. <laughs> it's really not great. But I suppose the precision stuff will be the stuff that comes back. They've not been in training that long, have they? So. No. I mean, yeah, everything, everything we should say does come with the caveat that all the players had an enfor- a, the longest enforced break that any of them will ever have had in their professional careers and have been back for a couple of weeks. So what I do, if this is a signal for the future... And that mm. drop goals are a thing again now. I'm here for this that, all day. All day long, not one but two. I mean, let's face it, Bryn's, Bryn's drop goal was just filled with all the spite of having every single drive home from training interrupted by his dad for the last seven years and never having a bit of peace. Yes. But <laughs> what a moment, though. Like... You just wanted like some pure fucking drama and hashtag narrative to kick off rugby's first game back. Oh, just fucking yeah, brilliant! It was like a combination of absolute. You had like the mad shit at the first half with everyone doing everything because they had so much pent up energy. You had a referee, you know, having to instruct people of what the game of rugby is again, (laughs) all basically. (laughs) <laughs> Although that wasn't entirely their fault, because you and then you had this magnificently mental drop goal last few minutes. Yeah, it was. It couldn't have been better, really. It, it was fabulous. I mean, everything about it. It wasn't even supposed to be in the squad. No, indeed, yeah. Warren Gatland's son did fuck all the entire rest of the time he was on. The you couldn't write team. it. Yeah, and it was a beast of a drop goal as well. It was from fucking down. Like Damien Kenzie's one was fine. Yes, it was a sort of regulation drop goal that, before drop goals died as an art form, would have been a th- relative gimme. But fucking Gatlin's one was from downtown. It was, as they say, a thunder cunt. <laughs> it was. Uh, maybe that's what. Yeah, like you say, maybe that was apparently the first time there's been more than one successful drop goal in a Super Rugby game since 2017. Why? Which. Well, I mean, why would they bother with drop goals when you exactly. when you they're basically a travelling juggling clown show? Super rugby, isn't it? They'll somehow manage to be the best rugby in the world. Yeah, arguably, arguably, indeed. Yeah, but maybe that's what post-COVID rugby looks like. You know, the return of the art of the drop goal, tight games. I'm into it. 
Anything else on the weekend? Uh, it was all very yeah. giddy, wasn't I, it? <laughs> it was just I too giddy. <laughs> I can't wait for the Crusaders to come back next weekend and bring some right cynicism to rugby, as it should yes, be. Yes, quite just right. play really streetwise, really. <laughs> yes. Eight-man eight man rugby, just kick the leather off it. Just bring us back down to earth. The Crusaders, as a response to what we saw this weekend very much put will put me in mind of Robert Smith's response to that excited American journalist when she asked if the cure were happy to be in the Hall of Fame. Do you remember that one? <laughs> hey, great to meet you. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Woo, are you as excited about it as we are? Not by the sounds of it, no. <laughs> That's basically what the Crusaders will be like next week. Woo, Super Rugby, is this exciting? Not by the sounds of it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Richie's going to torpedo kick to the court <laughs> for 80 minutes. Uh, anyway, right, so we sh- yeah. shall we do some shit good? Now we've yes, actually got some rugby shit. to talk about for shit good. Let's, uh... yeah. Shit first, shit um, first. Uh, shit first. Um, the Highlanders coaches and their coordinated plaid shirts. Look, I mean, seriously, yeah. Honestly, we remembered... Have you seen the New Zealand Warriors bush shirt? I in... have seen the New Zealand Warriors bush shirt, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Which is modelled after like the traditional checked wool work shirts worn by Kiwi farmers. But there's just something weird about watching Aaron Major and co. just all sitting there in these matching black and yellow checked shirts. Especially because Mark Hammett was wearing a black jumper over the top of one, making him basically look like a dad on a stag <laughs> And it was just like, where your like... number one? Wear training gear, nothing in between. Yeah. I, I don't mean, want to. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, there's no fucking smart casual. No, <laughs> and there's definitely no looking like some kind of weird boys to men tribute act. <laughs> so weird. It just looked so weird. At least Warren had everyone in the Chiefs coaching box wearing shirt, trousers, jacket, as it fucking should be. It's an occasion, goddammit. it. He's probably missing his old crew, wasn't he? Um, probably said to one of them, "Do you want?" Do you, want some, do you want some jelly sweets and a can of Coke? No, not really, Warren, no. Are you sure? Makes me feel a bit better when I'm watching games, you see. If I've got somebody... Well, I don't... Well, can you just not speak either? If I just give you some sweets and a can of Coke, could you just not speak? Could you look bewildered? Can you look a bit more bewildered for me while you're drinking the Coke? If I if I, if I I shave your head, will you, will you say these swear words in Wigan for me, please? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes. Uh, that was weird. Uh, right. So anyway, shit. Oshin gets in touch and says, "Shit, is the comms team on the Blues versus Chiefs finding any reason that Otire Black played well other than his actual own performance? It was because <laughs> of Dan Carter's influence and Bowden's influence, and also somehow Bowden standing back and letting him run the game all at the same time. Maybe he's maybe he's just a good player, Aston <laughs> Maybe he is. Maybe he's very very good point. Very good point." <laughs> The thing is, he's been he was good before all this happened, before Bowden or Dan Carter were even fucking there. So it's I mean, yeah, it's it's classic, isn't it? They've gotta be the narrative, haven't they? Bowden and Dan. They've yes. gotta be. Right, they could be the narrative if they turn the blues into something that isn't a total and utter fucking shambolic disaster, which is what they've been really early, long time. early signs are good. Early signs that are good, line, but you know, we've been here that before. Is no fucking joke. <laughs> Colin McBride said, shit, is the IRFU deciding to play out the negotiations about player salary cuts in public? Big style. Um, shit, actually, is just Welsh rugby still being stupid. 
Okay. Do you want to, do you want to elaborate? <laughs> According to the rugby paper, um, the Scarlets are planning to take the WIU to court because they wanted um, their central funding to be increased in proportion to what everybody else's was being increased so that they still maintained a gap of funding that was greater than all of their rivals. That's now's the time to be worrying about that shit, isn't it? <laughs> they were worried that all the other regions were going to get the same level of funding as them, so they wanted more, and they're threatening to go to court over it. And it's like, lads, you'll be very lucky if all of you are still here, if any of you are still here in a couple of months. Let's be honest. I'll tell you what, though, this could be a way forward, I reckon, because, you know, Welsh probably... <laughs> They could sell the rights to the court battles. The BBC could get back in on the act, couldn't they? Because the rights would be going. Jiffy would yeah. be fucking delighted. He could get a job back, being a pundit yeah. on the court shit going on. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that S4C having the Super Rugby highlights as they have. Um, they've got red button. They've got full. It's actually I watched it on Sunday night. It's a really good shit. Like in terms of depth, it's two fucking proper in-depth highlight packages that last for an hour mm. for two games and it's got you know it's it's got a decent it's got charlo involved reese patchell's doing the welsh coverage gareth delves doing the english coverage so that's where he is then i mean absolutely <laughs> indeed in speaking of people who we forgot existed where's gareth delves he's doing red button in english language commentary on super rugby for s4c but why is jiffy not involved in that yeah. It's like S4C is the BBC, effectively, you know. I'm sure they'd let him do some... I'm, I'm sure the fucking competition... Be, the competition and markets fucking... authority must have got fucking involved by now on, <laughs> it, on his punditry. Look, you already get all the rugby league and all the rugby union. We can't let you have super rugby as well. And your own chat show. But he must be. He must be desperate to just talk about rugby on television again. He hasn't done it in months. No, no, yeah. Anyway, yeah. What else have we got here? This shit. Ten uh, Ep says shit was Warren finding out what Sunday lunch can be like round at the Farrell's house. <laughs> <laughs> Six Nations. Yes, very, very good. Yeah. Very true indeed. Um, shit, I thought was also was Luke Jacobson, who I know he's been out for a long time, and Shannon Frizzell is a big lad, and he makes a lot of people look weak in the tackle, but when you're a 23-year-old blindside with all-black caps, you don't want to get speed bumped for 80 minutes by the man who's probably going to be after you, well, is probably taking your shirt in the squad. Really, it's not, a, it's not a great job audition, is it? Even if it is his first game back. Dan Carter got put on his arse royally in that one run as well, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> Remember how old you are, Dan? Yeah. When I was on the floor, I phoned my dad and he said, you get up, son. I'm still proud of you. Uh, I mean, it's an absolute travesty that we didn't manage, you know, that rugby came back before we watched that Dan Carter. Actually, not a travesty at all, let's be honest. I'm so relieved that we... That's... Well, it's no point being relieved because it's going to happen. It will happen I mean, at yeah. some point, so... <laughs> rugby is going to go away again, even if it's just Super Rugby Atarua just oh. finishes. Well, we're excited now. There'll yeah. be some point in mid... November, we'll be like, should we just watch a documentary this week? <laughs> oh, see, but you know, there's a Super Rugby Australia's coming back as well That's with true. the Western Force. Oh, it's plenty so... of time. I'm just saying, you can't just don't yeah, pretend yeah. that it's Let's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's... 
I'm giddy. I'm giddy at the notion that rugby could ever not be exciting to me right now. But that's because I watched two games over the last four months. Dave Price says shit is four thirty a.m. kickoffs. <laughs> Plus working weekends, so I managed to miss both games. Yeah, but Dave, you're one of those, you know, heroes, aren't you? But on the flip side of that is everyone in New Zealand, including Bowden Barrett, going. Rugby should kick off in the afternoon. That's when it's supposed to be played. Yes. So I'd get used to those four but yeah, have kickoffs if I were you. Matthew Armstrong says that shit is the French and English clubs allegedly deciding the whole global season thing was just a bit too was running a little bit too smoothly. It was time for them to get involved. <laughs> yes, quite right. Yeah. You got any more shits? Uh no. I can't be I can't be too negative about this weekend. No, that's Fuck true. Yeah, I've noticed that. Oh, Anna says, and this is a good one, says, shit, is pink shirts being worn to honour women in rugby? So why oh, don't you just, style. why don't you fuck off back to the 50s? How about honouring women in rugby by paying them fairly, treating them with respect and, you know, equality, something like that? <laughs> oh, Anna, you with your crazy ideas. <laughs> I actually, I... Mean, You've not uh, been taking appropriate when... advice, the, the PRL owners would say to you. <laughs> I had a, a little chat with... Um... Jamie Wall, friend of the pod, uh, yes. Kiwi journalist, about this. Uh, and I was, I sort of was like, oh, well, you know, New Zealand rugby union is actually pretty good because, you know, even though I find the pink shirt thing very tedious, yeah, shit, you know, at least they do like replica jerseys for the Black Ferns and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, they it's one of the hardest things to buy in New Zealand is a Black Ferns jersey. <laughs> so don't give them too much fucking credit. So, yeah, it is an idea. When your team's the world fucking champions, make a jersey and allow people to buy it in a shop. And just come up with a better idea than wearing pink stuff to raise honestly to it's raise so awareness of things. Honestly, but it's like celebrating women. It's like stop raising awareness. What do you mean? We all we're all aware women exist. I don't... It's just absolutely root one sort of oh, if we make it pink, a woman will buy it thing that Oof. is a replete in sport. The NRL does their women in league stuff. Baseball does its horrible pink Mother's Day things. Oh, you know, it's, oh I literally God, just shuddered awful. at the very thought of that. Oh, the Mother's Day stuff and the Father's Day stuff just is all true stuff in America as well, isn't it? Oh, so the when, I was, when I was there the at the Cubs stuff game, is rank. When we the were at, when we were at, a couple of things, I was in Chicago and the. But it's that sponsorship thing, isn't it? I was in Chicago and he went, and now our honouring the troops presentation sponsored by Boeing. It's all, everything is sponsored, isn't it? And then be, and when I was at the Broncos-Bears game, they do that like fucking amazing jet flyover, which is fucking amazing. The fact they yeah. have that for every game, yeah, just bring some fucking jets over. And it's a, and then of course... That's the, what happens when you spend a trillion dollars on your fucking defence yeah. budget every year. <laughs> and the... um. But they brought out the they do this like honouring the colours thing at the beginning. So of course these, like somebody from the army, some of the navy, they all walk around the pitch waving with a flag, and everyone stands up, you know, which is fair enough. And I stood up when we saw them. We're riding the gods, surrounded by American people, obviously. And they this, they put this country song on, which literally had the lines of like, "He can do anything with WD forty and a wrench and all that kind of stuff." And me and him <laughs> look, and me and Paddy looked at each other, and I said, "Do not fucking laugh." If you laugh, they will fucking throw us off this stadium. <laughs> this is no time for British snark. Let me tell you that right now. Well, I mean, let's face it. You know, I've I've documented how I, you know, my experiences at Millennium Stadium with not, you know, effectively. 
Oh, of course, celebrating yeah. Celebrating the RAF band. You probably had a row, didn't you? Yeah. Not, not, not saluting the RAF band was doing the Uptown Funk or whatever it was. The RAF band. That's the thing. Doing Uptown Funk. Whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. Stand up was... for the Royal Welsh Goat, you cheeky fucker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd stand for that guy. <laughs> you watch. He's a sergeant major, that lad. He's got a rank. <laughs> you watch your ass. Um uh. I go, oh, we got this good here. Right, so Johnny McGinty gets into it. He says, good is looking like a sidekick because I told Squidge Rugby first thing Saturday morning that we got him, we'd engineered him Bryn coming off the bench to engineer the Highlanders' victory for his birthday. I mean, I don't think you look like a sidekick, mate. I think you look clairvoyant. <laughs> yes. James says, good is the Hurricane players bringing Barrett into their tri-celebrations. Yes, absolutely. When, he's, when they should have been chinning him, really. I don't advocate violence, yeah, but he should, yeah. have got, he should have been chinned. But they were all too much in love with the game, like we all they are were. right now. Uh, um, I guess, go good. Uh, Paul Williams' latest man crush, uh, Caleb Clark, uh, son of Irony Clark, oh, by yes. the way. Yeah. Uh, he's handful. <laughs> Woof. Especially on that try scoring run that he did, but just like he's big, he's quick, um, and he gets to run onto balls from Bowden Barrett and Rico Iwani. It's not really fair, is it? I am because Paul Williams was the referee, of course, in that first yes, game. Yes, really a lot of confusion. Was, I think for a, when I was reading it on Twitter, I was like, "What the fuck's going on?" Oh, right, okay, not not that Paul Williams. And then, I thought, <laughs> but then I thought, why don't you want to be like if our friend Paul Williams did referee a game? Everything would be play on as long as the ball was out, wasn't it? As yeah. long as yeah. it's out, it's play on. <laughs> and then we'd all stop at half-time for tennis. <laughs> because he's not allowed to play it anywhere. So we'd have well, to honestly, what, watching Paul's sort of month, two-month-long meltdown. <laughs> two-month-long two ennui over the, literally, over the literally last Literally, oh, the only country in the world that hasn't allowed people to go back and play <laughs> See that map he published where there's colours... Maps in green, <laughs> countries in green have got tennis, the ones in pink haven't It's only Wales. It's literally only Wales. And he can't even drive out of Wales to play tennis because that's no. not allowed either. It's, I mean, I feel for him, but fucking hell, it's funny. Yeah. As a, just a I mean, sort I think of, on the quiet, a, I'd like to rid the world of tennis, so I'm quite pleased with it all. I can't stand it as a sport, absolutely, without any kind of... Just can't stand it. That it's, and Formula it's the, 1. It's Get the queen it. of sport. As in the band, in mm. that it's it's sport for people who don't like sport. Because even yeah. my mum watches the tennis, and my, you, yeah. you have to go a long way fast if despises sport as much as my mother does. <laughs> like However, people who don't, aren't into music like Queen, don't they? Yes, big style. Although, however, I did, I playing tennis is quite fun. I played tennis but, a few times in the whole Wimbledon season thing. Yeah. But I played badminton quite seriously for a while. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's fucking a racket, isn't it? It's a racket. <laughs> fucking hell, I was terrible. The technique is completely different. I had absolutely no clue. I could just about serve because it was a bit like a smash in badminton. Beyond that, no <laughs> chance. That is the one, the one thing that I despise about racket sports is that there's almost nothing that... No, the transferable sort of knowledge between like squash, tennis, badminton. There's nothing there. Yeah, at all. I played squash. Honestly, it looked like I was having an aneurysm while I was playing. <laughs> Such was my inability to move around the court properly. It was fucking horrendous. Uh, 
Where are we now? Good, we're on, aren't we? Uh, good, apparently. Yeah. Good. Ollie White says, good is Squidge Rugby's video on Roy Francis. Yes. An amazing view of how much the man achieved despite every obstacle put in front of him. Yes, quite. I mean, yeah, he's a legend, Roy Francis, and a legend for Squidge for pulling it out. Good man. Good also um, is a thread that literally started doing the rounds on Twitter shortly before we came on air. Yeah, I know what you're talking about um, before you even say it, but yeah, go on. It's it's the uh, the La Plata Rugby Club's 1977-1978 season. I had no which, fucking idea. Honestly, is one of the most harrowing and unbelievable things I could ever possibly imagine. Yes. And also the most heroic and courageous and just it doesn't make sense to me at all. And I think I'm going to think about this for like it's going to be one of those things I'm going to think about for months. We'll give it a retweet, everyone, if you haven't seen it, but because we don't want to go through yes. it now. But it's a, uh, it's well, yeah, harrowing. <laughs> yeah, harrowing and incredible. Yeah, and just and but horrendous. And I wish like, my Spanish was better so I could read the book. Absolutely, but also how very rugby union that these people, that the World Cup isn't fucking named after them, or something, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> As opposed to being named after a pretend man. I mean, there's some bad shit gone down in in, in rugby in South America. I mean, you got that. Yeah. You got the lads who ate got each other. I was going to say. Got... I thought that's where we were going with this. That's what I did. I thought. I got. Whoa, these are lads else. that ate each other. Oh no, this is something oh, no. entirely oh, no. different. This no, is so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not worse. Different. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Thorv in the red says, good was the refing in the Highlanders versus Chiefs game. Josh slightly disagrees. I kind of agree with you. Anthony says, good is finally seeing some of the breakdown laws being implemented. Again, jury still out, I think, but I think it was, yeah, I think I think it'll be for the benefit ultimately. Well, it'll need a bit of tweaking. At least paying attention to it again, I would still much rather than pay attention to dangerous clearouts more than technical rock shit. But... Yeah. Anthony also says that Good is Gatland admitting he didn't care if Brim was his son because he wanted to win. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it. quite clear he cared if Brim was his son because he moved to Wales when he was small and never came back. So <laughs> That's not true. After of course, all, that's not after true. All Warren's done for Brim. He, he let him hang around with the Wales squad at the World Cup and this is how he repays him. Disgusting. What else have we got? Um, Go. Good, I thought, was uh, Patrick Tupilotu. Um, not only because he was really good in the lineup for the Blues, but according to Joe Marchant in the week, he's been clocked in training at running at 9.4 metres a second, which in old money is 21 miles an hour, which for a six foot six, 19 stone man, that is shit. Jesus Christ. For comparison, right? Usain Bolt's fastest clocked speed on a track was 27 miles an hour. Like, don't get me wrong, much faster. Yes, however, but so Bolt is the fastest so man in history. Faster, yes, so much faster. <laughs> but it should make sense. Imagine that at full tilt coming at you. Oh, like not these, interested. Six, six, 21 months. That is literally being hit by a car. <laughs> yes. Fuck that. What else we got here? Good. Toby Baker says, good is New Zealand living in the 80s when it comes to hairstyles and music. That was a rather charming thing about the whole thing. I don't mean that in a patronising way. It's the unfettered Big joy of how, how, how unironically kind of cheesy they all are. And they don't give a shit about it. Yeah. All the big hits from 2004 were coming out <laughs> on the PA. It was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, what else is good here? 
Fiddle Girl 70 says, good as the blues employing two all black legends as water boys talk about humble. <laughs> Dan Carson, Tano Manga. Yeah. Tanner's not aging well, is he? He's not, is he? No, he's got a bit of a chamois leather thing going on. <laughs> what do you think that Dan Carter and him played at the same time? Like, I know Dan Carter's a lot younger than him, but they were on the rugby field at the same time. But Tanner is, is not ageing well, which I suppose is fair enough when you put your face, you know, into holes that people get smashed off on, on the reg for about 10 years in professional rugby. What else have got is good. Patricia says good is a new dictionary definition of acceptable shithousery, which is the Hurricanes and all their Bowden Barrett tri-celebration stuff. Absolutely. She said also good was rugby, real live rugby with actual people there watching it. It's... It can't be said enough, can it? And for all our <laughs> no, snark about this game, right? My God, it was... I loved it... every fucking minute of it. I I loved it so much I watched it twice. Did you? And I watched the highlights. I loved it. Did you tell your missus uh, it was different games? Yeah, there's four games on this week. I've got to watch all these for work. It's work. It's yeah, work. It's, no, this is work. Yeah, yeah. Like... No, I don't want to go for a walk. I'm working. <laughs> At about half past eight on Saturday, she was like, you're up a bit early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just have a lie in. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It was, I mean... I'm sure the novelty will wear off, but not for some time, I don't think. It's just great to hold back. Isn't it? So, uh, and as much as we so all get sniffy about Super Rugby Rise, it's not actually that good, and it's like basketball. I mean, actually, there really isn't a better there isn't a better competition to bring rugby back with, is there? No. Especially that not. first half of that first game, which was just absolutely batshit. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened anywhere else. <laughs> no, exactly. It's like... And I, I hope that when you know the Premiership comes back and the Pro 14 comes back, I hope we, there's a bit of that in there as well, especially as they'll be playing in fucking July and August and the pitches will be like effectively South Africa in, you know, in November. Like, yeah, just fucking throw it around, lads. You know, there's no danger of rain stopping play here. Or if it is, it's going to be apocalyptic and fun. Plenty of Vaseline on the knees and elbows, lads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And on that, mm. you had me at Vaseline on the knees and the elbows, so therefore we will, right. we're probably done. Hilariously, with actual rugby on this week, we've had our shortest episode for probably about three months. So, I mean, it's still not a short episode because it never is, but it's still but shortest for us. I just think it says a lot about, you know, the best thing that people can do with us is give us something to talk about. The worst thing. <laughs> The worst thing we can do is have nothing to talk you, you about. You let these, Jesus you give stream of consciousness go, you've got no chance. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us through this weird downtime revive. But it's back, and Indeed. it can only keep coming back, can't it? So Hell we'll speak yeah. to you all soon. Ta-da. Ta-da. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.